Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the histories, experiences, and stories of Central Florida and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Bethany Dickens, and I will be your host for today's episode titled Cannonball. They are made from iron. These two cannonballs were found in New Smyrna and were used during the Civil War to bombard the small town. These objects tell the story of conflict and warfare and how the nature of warfare changed in the middle of the 19th century. And, of course, what changed the nature of warfare during the Civil War was the elevation of emancipation as a war measure as articulated by President Abraham Lincoln in January of 1863. Blockade runners were attracted to New Smyrna because the shallow waters made pursuit of them difficult. Boats full of cotton and military supplies often sailed past the U.S. Navy blockade of Florida waters. The cannonball was used by the U.S. military to stop and usually intimidate these blockade runners from traveling between Central Florida and the islands in the Caribbean. The cannonball had a very specific purpose, and Dr. Barbara Gannon from the University of Central Florida talks about the purpose of the cannonball during wartime. Now, it's what we call in the Civil War, shot. And that's why it survived. It's just a very large piece of solid iron that was projected through the air, and the sure power of its speed and its size would destroy the target, as opposed to shell, which might explode in the air or might explode when it hit the target, or canister, which explodes into a number of shells, just like a shotgun. It's a simple, people call it a cannonball, but it's iron shot. The cannonball, or iron shot, would have been the preferred weapon of choice to deal with blockade runners because the U.S. military did not wish to cause too much collateral damage to the civilian population. During this early phase of the war, President Lincoln ordered the U.S. military to avoid engaging the civilian population in the South. However, residents were in the center of the skirmishes because the Florida coastline and the town of New Smyrna was a nexus of blockade-running activity. Dr. Robert Taylor from the Florida Institute of Technology tells us about blockade activity in Florida during the Civil War. Florida was a very important source of supply for the Confederate war machine, and one of the uh, aspects of that that uh, the Confederacy tried to develop was using uh, Florida as a landing spot for uh, blockade runners, smugglers bringing in uh, supplies from the Bahamas or, or Cuba and New New Smyrna, or Mosquito Inlet, it was known at that time, uh, was one of the areas of activity in that effort. While the the Union Navy uh, attempted to institute a uh, blockade on all Florida waters, uh, but inlets, like the one at New Smyrna, being relatively shallow and uncharted, made it very difficult for Union warships that drew quite a bit of water to pursue smaller, more shallow-drafted blockade runners. With blockade runners operating outside New Smyrna, a trade of meats, salt, and cotton were exchanged. And these blockade runners mediated this economic network between the Confederacy and the islands in the Caribbean. 
An early skirmish between U.S. and Confederate forces occurred on March 22, 1862. The U.S. Navy searched for these supply routes along the coast when they were fired upon, leaving at least seven sailors dead and many wounded. Dr. Taylor tells us why New Smyrna never became a popular destination for blockade running and the problems the Confederate war effort had with Floridians there. An effort, uh, an infamous case involving a blockade runner called the Kate uh, that brought in a large cargo of, of supplies earmarked for the Confederate government. And uh, locals were asked to come and help unload the cargoes and get them off the beach. Some of these civilians helped themselves to parts of the cargoes. So in the greater New Smyrna area, there were lots of people who had brand new Enfield rifles and shoes and blankets. Uh, at one point, uh, Confederate medicine was being auctioned off there on the beach, even though the fellow who was auctioning them off didn't own them. And it became something of a, of a scandal, and it, it hurt Florida's rep as a blockade runner destination because of this leakage and transportation problems. Florida had a very primitive transportation system. What Dr. Taylor's anecdote reminds us is the peculiar place that civilians occupy during wartime in the Civil War. Although the residents in and around New Smyrna might have negated their own support for the war effort with the pilfering of supplies, Dr. Taylor tells us how this could have been interpreted by the U.S. military. A wharf seems to be a, a civilian target, but if blockade runners are using it to unload cargoes, then it's a military target. If a hotel or a building is housing blockade runners or Confederate troops, it's a military target. And, and, and I, I think also the Union Navy on the blockade was uh, some of the real unsung uh, heroes of the Civil War for the North. And if you were an ambitious naval officer and you want to get mentioned in dispatches, you want to be aggressive. Shelling shore targets was one way to be in the war. On July 26, 1863, the U.S. Navy shelled the town of New Smyrna and destroyed the John and Jane Sheldon home while the matriarch and children sat down for a meal. Everyone escaped the bombardment. However, that morning and the next day, the U.S. Navy attacked military as well as civilian targets in an effort to secure cotton believed to be hidden throughout the community. This represents a change in engagement from what the town experienced in 1862, when only military targets were the focus of warfare. What had changed was the Emancipation Proclamation and the end of slavery in the Confederacy as a war aim for the U.S. military. Dr. Gannon explains to us why the U.S. military changed their tactics during this time. Well, the Emancipation Proclamation makes it a total war because everyone on both sides understands that slavery is the center piece of Southern society and that if you destroy slavery, you destroy Southern society. Well, total war in the 19th century is somewhat similar to the general definition, which would be the total mobilization of society the goal being the total destruction of the enemy's society. And finally, and this is where things might change somewhat in the 19th century, the lack of distinction between the civilian and the military population, between soldiers and civilians. Cannons and cannonballs were in use for hundreds of years before the Civil War. These cannonballs represent the evolution of the Civil War, 
from a limited military engagement to something that encompassed Southern society itself. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. For more information about the items featured in this episode, visit the New Smyrna Museum of History at 120 Sam's Avenue, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, 32168. Make sure to join us for our next episode titled Cracker House.